Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. The dun dun, the sun dun, yep, the sun dun. Came up, but we still up in dungeon. The dun dun, yep, the London. Competition, why, yes, I will love some. And the fuck they getting mad, cause they run done. Mad, cause I'm getting money in abundance. Man, I can't even count all of these hundreds. Double bag every time I go to sun trust. I leave the rest just to collect interest. I mean, interest, fuck my nemesis. Exclamation, just for emphasis. And I don't sympathize, cause you a simple bitch. I just hop up on these house, I'm from shit. And put the iron to your face, you always a bitch. Can I get a fuck? 
Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Wednesday episode. Sorry I, I didn't have an episode for you on Tuesday. Why am I even sorry? There's plenty of me. But uh, I didn't release an episode on Tuesday, but don't worry. I'm releasing the rest of the week. Uh, I, I, I have been taking Thursdays off, but uh, I'm not going to do that this week. I took Tuesday off. Uh, it was very busy today. Did a bunch of podcasts that I can't wait for you to hear. Um, and... Uh, Listen, today we have an amazing guest. She was on this podcast a couple of months ago, Lauren Clayton, and she, her knowledge, you know, she is a therapist. I mean, the work she does is fascinating. The language that she's able to to use to be able to explain some of these behavioral issues with the men and vendor pump rules and just a lot of the characters. I just find these conversations so fascinating. And I wanted to put this out today because we're going into the reunion tonight. And I don't personally think, you know, what could we really get? Because Tom is at this point a known liar. So what are we really truly going to get? Um, so I think it's fascinating to put this out today. I think this is a great pregame uh, podcast for all of your watch parties tonight. And it, it kind of gets into the muck and mire of all of these characters that we, uh, that we've loved, that we've grown to love or still love or don't love anymore. It's all love. Uh, we only have after tonight, um, three more episodes, you know, so four, including tonight, three after tonight. And I cannot wait for this to be over, but just because it's so full, there's so many elements of this to talk about. And I want to move on in some ways. I'll, I mean, listen, we'll be talking about Vanderpump Rules, blind items and all that for, for the next year, I'm sure. But uh, listen, let me see. When, when, uh, Teresa got married tonight. They had the Teresa and Louie wedding special. And I don't know. I I hate to be the first one to say it, but uh, uh, that Louie guy is weird. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad this is her fairy tale, but part of me is kind of like, yeah, man, like just, just let's get this marriage part over so we can get to the part where we find out what, what is Louis's actual deal? Like, when is that going to come? Because I saw the trailer for the reunion and it looks just brutal. It looks, I mean, exactly what I thought it would look like, but you know, Teresa's like, I'm never going to see your face again to Melissa. And she's like, why is that? Because you're leaving. You're going to go. But also the Louie stuff. And not even the trailer that they showed after the episode tonight. They had a longer trailer I saw online. And some of the Louie stuff, you know, is really, really dark. And I'm curious. Um, and the way Louie handles himself, it's weird. You, you, he vacillates between namaste, amazing, inspirational guy that tears up a lot. And, um, you know, the, the character you would see in a movie that was like, that's the bad guy. That is the bad guy. Don't trust him. I'm sorry. There is this dirty John element to him that I don't think we can ignore that. I mean, I don't think we have ignored, but it is weird because it's that thing where everybody, I don't think anybody, I think everybody wants Teresa to be happy. Right. So it's this weird thing. And I'm really curious about her daughters as this, as they move further and further into this relationship. Teresa's interesting. You know, she's somebody that you want to protect, but she sometimes makes it very hard to protect her. She is, there's a reason why she is very iconic in this universe, but sometimes it's very frustrating. Um, 
to watch her in certain elements. Um, I don't know. You guys, do you guys know what I'm saying? You guys know. Uh, Summer House, we had the finale Monday night. I just released the recap on Patreon, and I had a lot of thoughts. The Danielle Lindsay fights. Um, it's another thing where I'm just kind of glad this season is over. I don't think they're going to be friends. I think that's okay. You know, I don't think there's coming back from this. I thought that final quote unquote showdown between Daniel and Lindsay, you know, Lindsay was cold. Yeah. How would you not be cold at that point? If you, if you heard somebody was talking shit about you to all of the people that have made fun of you at the last five years. Yeah, man, you'd be a little bummed. And, and the thing that I keep coming back to is that this is between two people and that is Lindsay and Bravo. No, no, no. It's between Lindsay and Carl. This is their moment. And I'm so sorry that they did not include Danielle into that twosome. And that at the end of the day, it just seems like what that that's what it really was about is that Danielle wanted, you know, the VIP treatment when she wasn't acting like a VIP this summer. And on top of it, it's frustrating because, you know, I know she's saying she's not, you know, taking elements of her life out on Lindsay and Carl. But I will say once again, where was Robert? We know they're broken up now. Her boyfriend at the time. But it's like maybe if Robert had hung out with her more than half a day a week, she wouldn't feel the loss of their friendship just in the sense of also when you're in the first year of a relationship, you know, you really are in this love bubble. And sometimes I mean, I've been the victim of that. I've I've had other people be the victim of when I'm in my love bu bubble between me and my hand. Hey, I'm joking. This is a family show. I was not talking about touching myself, but. You know what I'm saying? I feel like this would have worked itself out if there wasn't a show on. Like they would have just taken the time and then realized like, oh, I thought it was weird at first, but now it's okay. And now I feel like because of all of this and because of those bed sore mafia, all of those girls that love to lay horizontal in that house, they just don't like Lindsay. And I'm sure there's a reason. I get it. Lindsay's grading. Lindsay's this. Lindsay's that. But still, it's really, really hard to keep hitting that same note again and again. And I feel like it's like you hit that note with Lindsay and Carl, but there's no kind of self-awareness about their own lives. I mean, listen, Paige literally almost shits herself every time Craig almost talks about proposing to her. I mean, I like I said, I never thought I would almost like feel bad for Craig Conover, but I almost do like Craig seems to be begging to be with Paige. Like she's like, okay, fine. You can bring two suitcases to my apartment. He's like, Oh my God, really? Don't take it back. Can we get a lawyer on this? Let's do this. I'll sign anywhere. And it's weird to see Craig so desperate for that love. And uh Paige, I think definitely loves Craig. I do. I do think that, but I just don't think Paige is needy in the way that Craig is. And I think Craig is at a point in his life where he really does want to start thinking about the future. He is the pillow King and the pillow King deserves a queen. But I think Paige is her own King and queen all wrapped up in one. I think she definitely loves Craig, but I don't think, I think Paige, I don't know. I just think Paige is so self-sufficient and I think Craig senses that. And I don't think there's any, I don't think Craig hates that she's self-sufficient, but I think it makes him very insecure. So it'll be interesting to see that relationship. But what scares me is that I think Paige is so much more comfortable at pointing fingers at everybody else in that summer house, mainly Lindsay and Carl, than opening up about her true life. In fact, she has that one line in the, re, the, the finale where she says, listen, 
you know, we'll be okay as long as you don't ask me to marry marry you in front of any of these fools. And I really truly believe she means that, you know, and that maybe that's not the best person to be on a reality show. Also, Maya and Oliver, they split up and Maya's like, cover your mic and get into the bathroom. No, no. Listen, I know it's not, you know, it's probably uncouth to have cameras in the summer house bathrooms, but if you're going to keep hiding in the bathrooms, everyone, we're going to need to put cameras in there. And you cannot tell people to cover their mic. I said this on the Patreon, but I'm instituting a new rule. If anybody tells any other cast member or themselves to cover their mic, you will be fined $1,000. You will be fined $1,000 and we will break you of this habit or telling it because this is a visual medium and an audio medium. We need both of these together. I don't want to see a still shot of a door and then hear muffled voices of like, you hurt my feelings. No. You are on a TV show. Act as such. <laughs> Act as such. Um, but I'm nervous to see the reunion next week for that. It seems like they all still don't like each other. It's amazing. So, no, the, the Summer House uh, reunion start next week. I don't know why we need the three of those, but I guess Chris is going to tell us what it's like to jump in a pool a lot. Uh, so we have that. We had Teresa's wedding. Uh, Atlanta was so-so this week. Are you guys feeling Atlanta? I don't want to talk bad about it because I think we need to be watching this and supporting this. Also, Summer House Martha's Vineyard. But it's interesting, especially when you get to that third episode in most of these Housewives franchises, it starts to dip out. And it had a strong start, but not a insanely strong start. So I hope we're not checked out in Atlanta. The ratings are dipping they're not as strong as, say, two seasons ago. But Atlanta, you can never count out. Also, the Kim and Croy, uh, Kim and Croy Bierman divorce is heating up. Croy wants psychological testing on Kim. Did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, if you're going to do psychological testing on Kim, I want that as a Bravo show. We have Lauren Clayton, who is a professional here with us today. And I know we can't diagnose people, but wouldn't you love... Like, listen, why can't we begin on some of these therapy sessions? I know we can't diagnose people, but what if a therapist could and they could put it on TV? Wouldn't you want to watch that? Wouldn't you love to have Bravo, like, wait, wait Bravo chair therapist? And uh, they're like, yeah, um, Sandoval, you're a narcissist. We can fully, we can, we can totally diagnose you because we can't, but our Bravo therapist show could. Would love to have that show. Um, also, to tonight, I, I'm going to probably listen to this as I fall asleep. I've never listened to a full episode of Call Her Daddy, the Spotify podcast with Alexandra Cooper. She got Ariana Maddox, of course, and their two-hour interview just got released. I know a lot of my friends are listening to it as we speak. I will, uh, I'll be covering it, I'm sure, on Friday's episode. And see what the good stuff in there uh, is. The trailer looked pretty intense. Ariana says this one thing in the trailer that they that Tom went to bed with her in their bed. He got up at some point, went to the guest room where Raquel was, had sex with her, and then came back to Ariana's bed. What are we literally supporting this guy? I mean, this is getting darker and darker and darker. I mean, this is just disgusting at a certain point. I mean, I mean, I don't even, there's no joke you can make about that. I hear she also says that Graham Cracker, Graham, um, Raquel and DJ James Kennedy's dog is a terror. I think that's a direct quote. And I'm like, yeah, I need more Graham's history. Says Graham potentially fights with other dogs. Yeah, I need a Bravo Graham spinoff. I need Raquel and DJ James Kennedy's dog. I, and by the way, you know, shout out to Graham, though. Graham is probably dealing with some major trauma watching 
Raquel sleep with Sandoval. You know, like that's gotta be intense. Like, ah, sorry. So reunion tonight, right? Are you going to do watch parties? What are we doing? We doing Okay. Well, t- I got to go to bed. I'm doing this. It's like 1030 already. I've been working all day, but I got to get to bed because I got to wake up super early in the morning because this sounds, I got contacted. I'm going to go be, I don't know what it like a creator or content creator at raising canes, a chicken place in El Segundo. And, uh, I got offered that and they said a Bravo celebrity is going to be there. And I'm supposed to post a couple Instagram stories, a TikTok. you know, there's like a whole thing, you know, list of things that I have to do. And there's other people doing the same thing, but they said a Bravo celebrity is going to be there. And I was like, uh, do I want to do this? I was like, yeah, this sounds cool. But I said, my stipulation was, I'll do it as long as you assure me that the Bravo Liberty isn't Tom Sandoval. And I was assured that it turns out it's Ariana. So I get to wake up and, and uh, be around chicken and Ariana, two of my favorite things. So I'll let you guys know how that went on uh, Thursday's episode, which I already had the interview with our guest on Thursday. Awesome. By the way, do you know my, my guest on Thursday is um, Annie Elise. She does this YouTube channel, 10 to life. And she also does a podcast, a new podcast called serial is It's about, um, you know, unsolved mysteries, um, murder trials. Really. We talked a lot about Brian Koberger. She's a huge Vanderpump fan and Bravo fan. So we got to talk all about that. And that interview, I was so excited to talk to her. That'll be out on Thursday. Then of course, Friday, you're going to have the Vanderpump rules, uh, reunion recap. And then part two will be all of the news, which I'm sure will include caller daddy and all the Vanderpump news that has happened, all the goings on. How are you guys? We're 13 minutes in. I didn't even get to ask. I hope you guys are doing fabulous. It's Wednesday. So you've made it halfway through the week. Amazing. You did that by yourself. I didn't do that. You did that. So you've got only two more days till that sweet, sweet weekend. I really, this time has flown by. Also, I just opened a DM before I did this. I guess on Monday's rant about selling sunset, Monday's rant about selling sunset. I said that Chris shell was used to date Brett. There's two twins at the Oppenheim group, Brett and Jason. And she goes, I love you, but I wanted to scream. You didn't know that Chris dated Jason and not Brett. How do I know? How do I know more than somebody that makes their living doing this? And I was like, wait, you wanted to scream when I said this? And I was like, you obviously didn't listen to the part where I got to where I was like, oh my God, I mixed up the two brothers, but I'm sorry. They're two tiny bald brothers. Their personalities aren't that different. I'm sorry. That's part of the joke of selling sunset is you really truly can't differentiate between the two. I'm sorry if that made you scream. I'm sorry if you take selling sunset extremely seriously, but I'm, I'm just overall sorry. I'm so sorry that I would dare Mix up Brett and Jason, two of the most dynamic and exciting characters on reality television. Did you guys start selling Sunset yet? I think me and Kate Legeko are going to start recapping or at least the first episode. So I'm very excited about that because I was talking to uh, I did a I did an interview for uh, an Australian podcast today. And, you know, they're all into Vanderpump as well. Hello. By the way, I know I have a lot of Australian listeners, which is awesome. And uh, we were talking and she said uh, we were talking about Selling Sunset that it was so for me. I loved watching Selling Sunset the entire sixth season over the weekend because 
the Vanderpump finale was so dark for me that I needed something so ridiculous to snap me out of it. And I'm still not fully snapped out of it. But if you want something so silly and so ridiculous, you know, they think, I mean, this is their alleged real lives. And it really like it's, you know, life or death in selling these houses. But it was so silly to me from the costuming to the makeup to the dialogue. I mean, it is so silly that even Jason and Brett, they are very, very similar that you would mix them up too. But uh, I highly recommend it if you want to get away from the darkness that is kind of over has overtaken Bravo right now. Even though I think it's the best, some of the best Bravo I've ever seen. There is this element of like, damn, dude. He woke up from sleeping in bed with Ariana and went and had sex with Raquel in the guest room and then came back. Who's washing the sheets over there? My God. So anyways, Selling Sunset, highly recommend. What else? There is, uh, oh, the Randall scandal. I'll talk about that on Friday. I watched that yesterday and I want to know your thoughts about that. Also, Lala Kent did uh, another article for the LA Times. I'll talk about that. But that's it, you guys. We have the reunion tonight. I'm so excited to get this part of it on. But let's temper our expectations. Let's not expect the world. And remember, they're probably going to drag it out where it's going to be good. And then the last two minutes, it's going to get really good. And they'll be like, next week on part two of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. And just remember, don't throw your TVs. And also, shame on you. Watch what happens live for taking a two-week break. Samaj, who listens to this podcast, reached out and said, Ryan, they always take a two-week break around this time. Always. And I was like, I don't care. It is time to switch it up. This is not the right time to take a break. We need Watch What Happens Live right after Vanderpump Rules, especially during this time. I want Andy to have a nice vacation and all of the great people that work on Watch What Happens Live. But come on. Let's just do something. I'm sure there's tons of podcasts to listen to in the meantime. Okay, folks, let's get to our guest. I love this girl. Her name is Lauren Clayton. I give you all of her information in the intro. So here she is, and I'll talk to you bright and early on Thursday. Bye, guys. Today, we have a returning guest. Now, you know, we talked almost two months ago, and this was you know, right around the time Scandaval was all breaking and it happened, but so much has happened in the interim and she has such a unique perspective. And after she was on, I got so much positive feedback about her saying, you got to have her back on. And I was like, I was already planning on having her back on. So I don't need to hear from you guys, but she is, she was nice enough to be back today. And I'm just so excited to talk about what we saw last week and talk about it in different terms. I know I can be a, a little silly, proudly so, but I like to actually think about what the reality of their situation is, these cast members going through this. And I know we can't diagnose people, but we can look at certain behaviors and kind of use the what if approach and things of that nature um, and talking about you know, real things that happen to real people and what happens based on some of that information. So our guest today is an ex-forensic therapist where she did personality profiling. She took assessments for ex-cons, which is perfect for Vanderpump Rules. Um, Lauren's interest in neuroscience, neuroplasticity, and epigenetics led to her establishing her private practice in 2010, where she coaches executives and celebrities as an executive leadership coach and integrative health coach. Uh, her pursuit and passion is helping her clients upgrade 
and optimize their psychological, emotional, and physical health, as well as dramatically improve and thrive in their relationships and their careers. And I know we're going to talk about it later. I know she has a course right now on imposter syndrome and also uh, one in terms of uh, your health and your body and things of that. We'll get into that later, but it is funny. Everything I just said, I think is perfect to talk about in regards to this cast of Vanderpump Rules this season. So Lauren Clayton, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ryan. So good to be back. Uh, I'm so sorry you have to be back, but I'm oh, these, people, <laughs> these people just don't stop. There is so... There is so many things to talk about and so many uh, so much behavior exhibited on these shows. When I had asked you to watch this initially and you had to catch up on the season of Vanderpump Rules, you know, we had this great conversation. But have you been watching it since we talked that last time? Oh, yeah, I have. Been watching it. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I have. I mean, how how do you feel after watching last week's episode because as a viewer i felt uh i felt it was really dark but doing what you do do you watch it through a different lens oh doing what i do um that's an easy lens to watch it through and then i've i've been the victim uh, not really we're not really victims but you know i've been in situations where i have suffered narcissistic abuse and um you know through dating and just different family members so yes i was perceiving them the, the whole episode through all of those lenses. And um, yeah, it was dark. It was frustrating at points. My, there's so many things that stuck out, but the first thing that really, I don't, I don't know if I don't want to say triggered me, but um, Sandoval's fake, what I'm going to call fake crying and fake panic attacks. Which you is, didn't believe that. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't. And it is uh, okay. First of all, like I said before, when I was on before, this is, I'm not diagnosing anyone. This is for entertainment purposes, whatever. And even, um, I don't practice traditional psychology anymore because I don't like the diagnosis that people, I mean, I think it's very good framework for us to understand ourselves and other people, especially if we were feeling victimized by someone's behavior. It's very confusing and torturous when you're in these relationships with people that are narcissistic or sociopathic or borderline. So it gives a, a nice context and framework for understanding these people and their motives and their, their behavior patterns. That's it. So back to the, go ahead. Do you I, li I like that. I like that. It gives you a language in which to speak about these yeah. things, because sometimes I will feel at a loss. I mean, don't worry. I don't feel at a loss, obviously with talking, but sometimes you're reaching for a language or wanting to describe how a certain person is behaving. But I love how you explain that is that sometimes it can give you a jumping off point and it's not necessarily what you practice now, but we would be fools not to actually pay attention to the behavior that is exhibited by these characters. And you started off by saying, Tom Sandoval, what you thought seemed like fake crying and a fake panic attack. My question to you would be, that's not fake for the show, but I think a lot of potential narcissistic personalities will use different, uh, different tactics like fake crying and panic attacks to gain sympathy. Is that correct? To gain sympathy and to not have to take responsibility for their behavior. So we saw that when he went over to Lisa's house and was kind of, you know, breathing, his heavy. breathing caught, got heavy and shortened and, and it seemed not real to me. And then it was just enough to get Lisa to be sympathetic because she was pissed when he came over. And um, the same with um, when he went over to Tom's and was crying and it's just, 
you know, I mean, he doesn't want to hear what about what an ass no narcissist wants. To, they will take little to no responsibility. Or even if they do say sorry, it's like, well, you made me do this. And I hope in the future that we can. It's like, no, you just need to take responsibility for something. And they are allergic to it. Because I mean, at the, at or underneath all of their defenses and all of these things, the gaslighting and everything that they do is a, a dark, dark void of shame and a feeling of emptiness. And so they're always trying to get all of this appreciation and adulation and praise to come, which is a never ending void. If you're around a narcissist, you kind of feel it in your gut and it feels like you have to, this proving and chasing energy is always coming in. And it's like, why do I feel this way? And it's because they project that onto you. And especially if you're an empathic person, you feel it and then you're reacting to it because you want to connect with this person, especially you want to connect with that high that you got from initially knowing them you're chasing that part of them yeah. that's not real so anyway back to the yeah so they do this thing i just loved how it was not working with sheena it was just did you notice he didn't even sheena do that held his feet to the flames mm -hmm. and i was so impressed with sheena because yeah. i was like way to go girl like she she emotionally reacted. She mm -hmm. held strong to the fact of, I cannot, I do not have the ability to be your friend anymore. And she pointed out universal truths of that's fine, Tom, but you went and, you know, had sex with her best friend, right. you know, just very, when usually I would imagine you would be disarmed by someone fake crying or trying to get sympathy where you don't push those actual realities of the situation. And Sheena did. And I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her too. And that is the point to do the, the fake panic attack or the crying is so that that person doesn't go there or that person doesn't get to express their experience or their reality. It's only like, okay, we have to placate you. And, um, and it's a really narcissists are so good at really pulling you into that. And, and then you could leave a situation and you're like, wait, wait, I didn't even say what I wanted to say, but Sheena was not doing any of that from the beginning. And she, I mean, she shut it down a couple of times when he tried and you noticed because you could tell at one point Sandoval knew it wasn't going anywhere and he just silently left. You know, there was no fear. Yeah, he, was, no, he was like, was gotta go, gotta yeah. go. Um, I like what you said also uh, a second ago about, you know, there's a deep, well, deep well of shame potentially, and obviously insecurity with some narcissists and, I mean, would you possibly start a cover band because of that deep shame? Would you like, you know, all of these things that we see, you know, if we're going and we're not diagnosing, but if we are saying he does have a lot of traits that a narcissist has, are those like the, the cover band, the, even now you see that he's potentially hooking up with somebody in Austin, uh, a fan, you know, these are all things to kind of quelch that shame perhaps, or try to like numb himself from actually accepting responsibility as well. Absolutely. So one of the things that is a salient characteristic of narcissistic people and the way that they relate to people is to only get their needs met. And you'll hear it called supply, narcissistic oh. supply, which oh. is a never ending. They need a never ending supply of love, praise, adulation. And especially um, I wrote it down exactly what he said. But when he was talking about, oh, I think I have it right here. When he was talking about when Raquel and I kissed, it felt hot. Like I like my best days weren't behind me. That yeah. has nothing to do with Raquel. I that nothing to do with yeah. <laughs> no, you're so right. And he called it a spiritual experience. And I'm like, yeah, man, like, you know, that's just sex. I mean, I, I'm glad that you're saying the spiritual awakening that you're having, but it is interesting because it, it wasn't about Raquel. It was about, 
I felt like my best days weren't behind me, he said. And that was so dark to me. Okay. And that is a perfect example. I mean, they could use that in a psychology course because it's like, it's a perfect example of how the narcissist, I guess, falls in love. They're only falling in love with themselves. And that's a perfect quote. It's like through this other person, I'm falling in love with myself. I'm getting the adulation and praise, but there's never enough. That's why every narcissist, almost every narcissist, we can't of course know that for sure. But um, the vast majority of them cheat because they need a constant supply. And I've even heard it referred to as a supply harem. So meaning at work, they're getting, they're getting a certain amount, like a lot of them are CEOs. And so they're getting like everyone like loves them and is always trying to, and then they'll, oh, maybe get a cover band. That's what the, so they're, he's on stage getting all this praise and maybe not anymore. I don't know, but like praise and adulation and then the show and then the bar and then all these other girls like if he admitted that he well he got caught with Raquel and then he said he hooked up with or cheated with someone else somebody else so yeah. there's probably 10 other situations I know like that. that's what I was I I I said if there's one there's got to be more like if you're going to admit to one mm-hmm. that means times that by 10 potentially and and you know of course there's going to be a lot of rumors that come out now about who and when and where but it is go it goes along to your point with yeah it's never going to be enough and in these moments when he is potentially seen things written about him a lot, mm-hmm. ne- you know, the majority negative, does a narcissist um, care if it's bad? I mean, like, does it, I mean, it's still attention, you know, and he's obviously still not having to admit full fault in some ways. Mm-hmm. How does a narcissist take negative, um, not just interpersonal reactions, but global interactions? Yeah. So most narcissists, I think sociopaths, they'll like take any form of attention. Like, did you see inventing Anna? That yes, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember she was, she didn't care. She was just like, I want it all. I want the attention. I'm famous now. That's more on the sociopathic like uh, realm of things, but narcissists, they do care because they just need to be praised. So the negative attention, I remember um, dating this narcissist. And I was like, Oh, can I give you feedback? And he, he always came off like, and he's like, well, is it good or bad? And I'm like, Oh Lord. So it's like, like you know what I mean? So it's just, so, so, you know, he does, um, it doesn't look like he's enjoying the uh, negative attention. And then, but I think the delusional part, because they do go into kind of a delusional thing is like, it'll just pass and I'm going to keep performing and, you know, probably it will after a while, you know? Yeah. That, that is the truth is that, you know, we see this with all reality shows and, and in real life too, is that if you just, well, I mean, sometimes if you just let things die down, it naturally passes, mm-hmm. but he's not necessarily letting things die down. He's still trying to be front and center in a lot of ways. And a lot of his castmates are able to profit and monopolize this negative attention that, you know, and, and, and do something good with that. But for him, it's different, but he's still finding ways to get out there, which I find interesting because I feel like I would want to hide you know, my, I would just crawl under my bed and just, just pray that it went away in a year or so, but he's out there. Yeah, I, I and and that is part of the defense structure. It's like it's like what uh, everything's fine, you know. Another Tuesday, and um, and even in the show, he talks about all of his reasons as if they're in you know that intense fight that him and Ariana had. It was like, well, yeah, I, didn't, yeah, I felt that way, but I didn't fuck your, you know. And then you know, also the what happened with Ariana. There's so much there with Ariana because first of all, she's talking to Raquel. Raquel brings it up at. 
in terms right. of her body image and having sex. And the second, the, 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 what was supposed to be the finale, you guys, that really dark yeah. scene between Ariana and Raquel, where she was like, I don't have sex with Todd. Like she was trying to like talk about mm -hmm. bodies and it was a really personal conversation yeah. that Ariana was actually opening up to her. And it reads so differently now that we know more information. Right. Okay. So there's so much. And it's like, let's have a lemon shot and talk about our body image issues. And then, you know, Raquel's just going along with it. And when they do like the other, the interviews in between, it's like she, Raquel's kind of like smirking about it. It's so creepy. But with Ariana saying that, there is some truth to that. I mean, I do, like I said before, I think Ariana has a lot of like codependent personality things going on, which is like rooted in trauma. And I think that a lot of co times codependent personalities they just attract like these sad things like one thing after another after another after another and then they they look like they are kind of victimized and they look and they attract narcissistic personality types because they can just seek that love and like replay that like chasing energy that of like love that an abandonment that they maybe experienced in childhood. But the whole thing of like, you know, she said, Ariana is basically saying I'm hiding behind a layer of fat or like, you know, she's like, I'm feeling fat or whatever. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people that are in relationships with narcissistic people or even that have some of those characteristics is like, they know after a while that there's never, it's never enough. It's never enough. So they get like emotionally contracted and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take sex off the table or not as much if, can I get this? And then we could, and then the, it, the, it becomes like transactional basically. And then it just kind of wilts down to nothing, but narcissists also don't like change. They will, there's like at least that supply that Ariana was providing. It's like, okay, she's Constant. a housemate. Yeah. It's a, it's some form of stability. So it's serving a purpose for me and I'll still get sex and attention from 10 other people. And then, you know, more attention from my band and the show and everything else. Meanwhile, Ariana is just feeling like, you know, empty and like needing so much more. I love that. Also just the thought of a narcissist, uh, using, um, you know, negotiating human trauma in a way of like, you know, can I get this? Can I get that? Um, the Ariana thing that you brought up is very interesting too, because a lot of people have questioned, well, why did she stay if he was out all the time? Why, if she likes to be home and he likes to be out, why would, and I'm like, you guys, come on, you, you're in relationships yourselves. These things happen every day. To me, that is one of the easier things to explain away, but I love your thought of, uh, he was getting all that stuff he needed to out there and he still wanted to have that quote unquote stable home environment that he could mm -hmm. also say he had as well. So he had everything, but what did Ariana have? And did that just kind of hit into her codependency uh, button that she's had over the years? Absolutely. And yeah, like narcissists are like, everything's cool with me. And even uh, at one point, Sandoval said he was just like, oh, it, it's like climbing Mount Everest to like, because they <laughs> to kept, tell like, her the truth. To, they had this plan that they, they were going to say before the reunion and the, before this time and then all these months go by. But he doesn't want to. That's uh, he doesn't. He's not trying to blow up his spot or, you know, have this big disruption. He would have kept doing that for as long as it lasted until he got another. I mean, that's probably what happened, actually, like. Raquel was probably, you know, long-term girlfriend number six within their relationship. I bet you that's actually, cause that's what they tend to do. Well, it is interesting because he does say multiple times on this show, it's like, I had a plan, dude. I had a plan to break up. We were going to do it before the reunion. Cause we just wouldn't feel like humans if we hadn't have told her. And I, 
you know, now having a week gone by since that, I believe that's a complete lie as well. I yeah. don't think they would, I, or I think they would have found ways to back out of that. And I would love more of a timeline in how many different ways they tried and who shot what down. In fact, he threw Raquel under the bus once to Schwartz saying, listen, she, we had to be on the same page and Raquel wasn't there yet. Yeah, no. Like as if he suddenly cares about other people and their comfort. No, I think it was it was just working for him. And if he had not got caught, which is so interesting how that played out, I think that has a lot to do with like the subconscious mind. It's like the only time you don't erase something. So there is part right. And so what there an, is what an, what an, what, an, what an admission too is that in a talking day goes normally I hide those th- normally I delete those sort of things. Like I'm like how much did you delete over the years, dude? Hmm. I mean, in that he kind of played himself out there, too, because he said, like, normally I delete those things. So it's kind of like, I mean, he could have done another lie there, but I think he was he wasn't thinking enough. But clearly, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, so he got caught in like, I think the subconscious mind does interesting things that, you know, it's kind of like, okay, it's time for it to be told. And so that happened. And um, but yeah, I, I think. I mean, that's he's ended and began relationships like this through the trajectory of the show. Like he's constantly I mean, that's how and then in psychology, there's an axiom. It's like how you meet someone, especially in a dating situation, is how it will end. So that's how did he meet Ariana? You know, like, so, yeah, like how you got him is how you lose him. Lisa always says and things, you know, which I think is weirdly uh misogynistic in some ways because it's like on the onus of the woman when i feel like well there's predators out there they're luring these women in and it's like uh, you know i know that this lasted for nine years which i'm sure tom pats himself on the back for of like what a personal record but i mean i guess the 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 thing that i keep getting confused by when i really try to take um narcissism as, as something that truly exists in people how do they how do they walk around? What awareness do they have? And is there ever a narcissist that literally like, Oh my God, I just, I got diagnosed. I'm a narcissist. I need to battle this. I need to fix myself. Can you ever fix a narcissist? How do you break these patterns? Okay. I'm going to answer that. And then I'm going to comment on the other thing that you said. So yes, you can, there's high functioning and and low functioning, but you can, there's with any personality type, you can't, it's not like genetically encoded in you. And yeah, maybe there are some, they are doing some studies about like certain, like, like for instance, vasopressin receptors, which vasopressin allows you to connect and, um, and feel empathy and trust a lot more. And so people that are autistic don't have it as much. And so there may be like, oh, maybe narcissistic people don't have as much vasopressin receptors. Like, and then, you know, Raquel came out and said that she's like relates to people like, or this person that's autistic. Oh, yeah, and I'm like, you don't know. Yeah, no, on no, you're not post. autistic. You're not autistic. Well, honey. but like, I mean, go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, I, I am curious about what you even just opened up in that terms of that is that that was a big conversation that really came and went very quickly because some people were like, well, she's building a defense of why she yeah. did the behavior she did. But at the same time, you don't want to disrespect somebody if that what if it is true? Like, that's the thing that I kept having the push pull of even covering this was mm-hmm. just those moments of like, well, I don't want to be wrong. Like even this there was a big pregnancy rumor about Raquel right. this this week. 
and it's come out like, and I had always heard that it was not true. I'd heard from sources close, not true. And it finally came out that it is not true, but you don't want to put that stuff out there in case it is like, there is this murky water that I even felt covering this of who knows, because I can't read Raquel to save the, like, I can't read her. She's the only one that I have no perception of still, even to this day. Well, so I, I took that as I'm going to use this an ex- as an excuse for my behavior. Sure. Autistic people do not like walk around. Che- they have other and there's, they miss social cues and things like that, but they, they don't, the, the way the behavior, the smirking that she was doing. And then the way she approached like with the lemon, you know, drop shot. shot and, like yeah. I'm trying to have like autistic people don't do that. They don't even think to do that. They're just kind of like very kind of like vanilla neutral type of. And so like for her to say that as someone that's like a mental health practitioner and I was just like, no, don't even try to. It was like offensive. And I thought kind of like disrespectful towards people that are actually autistic. Oh, um, I mean, definitely. And by the way, I do know many autistic people and they are wonderful. I mean, it yeah. is weird. Like they're not out there just like trying to sleep with people's boyfriends or even like, yeah. it is interesting that, but I also love that you were talking about the receptor. Cause I'm like, wow, could there one day be a treatment for narcissism? Could we oh, one day develop a vaccine for narcissism? Oh God. <laughs> Can you yeah, imagine? It's, ca- it's called shadow work and trauma work. And that's, that's the other thing. And I've often, especially when I'm talking to like the partner of someone that's narcissistic, I'm like, this is kind of like a lazy people's defense mechanism. Cause we have trauma, we have shame. We all have things, which is objective. Trauma is objective. So something that could have been traumatizing to me may have not been a big deal to you depending on the resources and whatever you had growing up. But anyway, so instead of doing the shadow work and doing the shame and like facing the void that you have inside, it's like, I'm going to offload that onto everyone else. So I'm going to project all my shame, which is why like there's always some type of drama that it's like they pull you in, which is probably what happened to Ariana, like pull with all of their charisma and all of their humor and all of their, you know, shiny. Cause they really pull you in and then you get like addicted to that and you want to, you know, so that's why when you were saying before about like, Oh, come on guys. Like that's, we all do that in relationships where we want to stay yeah. because, you know, we, we remember that part of them that we love and yeah. that, that we want to like stay connected to. So, but anyway, um, yeah, so there are high functioning narcissists that like, no, you know, I have clients come in and they're like, I have those tendencies or I have borderline tendencies. They'll tell me right away. Um, but a lot of times it's, you know, the other side of narcissism is codependency and they kind of go together. So they will find their codependent tribe, you know, and then when those fall off, they'll just find some new ones. And that's a lot easier to just run through people like this instead of doing the work. And the work is hard. The work is, you know, I, when I sit down, I work, I'm like, this is not going to be fun in the beginning, but it's going to be worth it. So these six months or whatever that we're intensely working together are going to kind of suck a lot of the time, but it will lead to like years of freedom instead of just like demolishing every relationship and leaving like a fire behind you everywhere you go. So um, the thing, it's not genetic and it can be fixed if you want to. Yeah. And and why would you want to, if you're getting everything that you think you need and trying to fill this hole up and this void, why would you ever want to try to take that ability away from yourself and cut yourself off at the knees? If that's what truly gets you going. You also mentioned shadow work. And just for my audience that might not know what does shadow work entail? What is that? Uh, yeah. And then um, this kind of answers both questions. So 
also you become addicted to those patterns like literally the drama the thing that you say you hate the most and it's like why do I always do this why do I end up with the asshole why do I do this or why do I it's like the shame guilt is actually an addiction and the, the hormones that are released from that our body and our nervous system becomes addicted to so our mind is like I fucking want like peace but like but like our body is like thriving and it's like give me that give me that whatever and so um that goes into, I'm sorry, what was the question that you, I forgot. No, just what is shadow work? You were talking oh, about the work, the work so that sh- you have to do. So shadow, shadow work is realizing that, Hey, I want to change my nervous system that I am firing and wiring in a certain way. Like my nervous system is like, and I want to break this pattern. And it, it could, some of this stuff starts pre-verbally, like before a baby can speak, like your, your nervous system. So it's like yeah. deep work. And um, you look at, and again, like you look at things to, not relive them, but release them. I always say that we're not here to relive anything and like re-traumatize ourselves. We're just trying to release these patterns or uninstall this program of drama that we've been living on and uh, and install like one of like peace and like higher functioning. That's it. So, and that, that just involves like looking at some of the patterns that you have, sometimes connecting them to childhood if you want to go there or if it's helpful to go there. And then what's often called like contrary action, you move into the world and you do things differently. You date the boring person, you do something uncomfortable, like getting your needs met at work uh, when you're don't want to do that because you're afraid of getting fired or abandoned. A lot of things, a lot of what's underneath a lot of things is like a fear of abandonment, whether it's with narcissists or borderline, there's a lot like, it's like shame, guilt, abandonment are the root of everything of all these like destructive behaviors. Fun, fun, this fun so stuff, fun. fun stuff. Well, Lauren, when you're dealing with somebody like this, I mean, I feel like you were saying when you know you're dealing with a partner of a narcissist. I mean, how tempting is it to be like, girl, run, just run, girl, run? Like, I mean, it's got to be really hard because these can be destructive forces in people's lives eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're working with people to try to not have those patterns repeat itself, but also as a woman yourself, and, and you've made, you know, you talked about in the first episode and even talked about here, you've dealt with this even in your own personal life, mm-hmm. you know, and I would imagine like, you know, when you're seeing in your own personal life, narcissistic traits pop up or, you know, potentially old, uh, you know, partners, are you even, do you even get fooled with it sometimes? Or, you know, like, narcissistic boom done both so to answer your question about the run girl run i mean i can say that i think that they've gotten their (laughs) they've gotten that feedback a lot from their friends and family already and um but they'll just run right into another narcissist they'll just keep repeating the pattern unless they heal what's inside them that attracted to them to that person anyway and that's what i was saying like the the axiom about like how you meet them is how you, how things end. And I don't really think that that's like chauvinistic in a way. It's just that like, like it, it happens in, it's like in psychology or it happens when you meet anyone, like all like the behavior patterns um, are right there. All the things that are going to happen throughout the relationship are actually will present themselves within the first one or two meetings of someone like meeting someone. Oh wow! But our brain is filtered to because we want connection and we want we don't want to be abandoned either. So our brain kind of filters out the red flags. So we make the red flags pink and 
purple and all these other colors that I like I, flags. Yeah. I like flags. Flags they're are pretty. pretty. Yeah. Oh, they're great. <laughs> and so we do that um, because we, we, I mean, we're, we're meant to connect to other people. We're not meant to live life alone, but if we don't heal the things that maybe caused trauma in the past, we'll find that we'll connect to that trauma where we can find that trauma in other people and try to heal it in real time through this other person. And then we're like, why, why do I, why am I with another cheater or a crazy, you know, guys are, she's crazy. And like, she might be, but like, you know, there's just, there's part of the crazy that you like. And then the other part is not so great, but where do those patterns come from? And can I heal that? And then find a healthy relationship. And so when I have a client, um, so to what you're saying, that's dealing with this, I don't say run because it's kind of like, that's, it's not going to do anything. I'm like, well, it's, yeah, but it's, it's, it's not going to do much, but I'm like, Hey, what attracted you to this person? What qualities did you like? What did you ignore when you got that feeling in your gut or the first time you saw him, you know, give the whatever eyes to someone right in front of you. Cause that happens a lot. What did you do? How did it make you feel? How often did you ignore, you know, it's like we, we talk about it and we kind of dismantle that. Um, so, and it's, it's not fun to look at, but it's worth it. Well, now in terms of even reality television, if you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? 
So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365 day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Fly style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Jindo, you know, like I always say, a lot of us run away from these things. Reality shows like make you like dive into it. And, you know, we get to see all of this behavior. And I think what really entrances us is that, you know, there is a truth to this, a universal truth that we all go through ourselves. So we get to see ourselves sometimes exhibited mm-hmm. on this screen. But as doing what you do, what would you tell this cat, which this is one of the most like very traumatic seasons in Vanderpump rules history, yeah. 10 seasons in, what would you tell this cast um, after all of this filming? I mean, I would imagine like if Raquel truly is seeking health, uh, mental health treatment, they would say, do not go back on season 11. Do mm-hmm. not. If you want a chance at living a really healthy lifestyle, what would you recommend for all of these people at this point? Well, I was thinking about that. So yeah, if if Raquel is really, really trying to work on herself, then yeah, I think the first no thing to do is not be on the show, not date anyone for at least a year. There's a lot of things that you would do. I think that Ariana established a good boundary um, about not filming with people that hang out with Tom and Raquel. Or them specifically, but yeah, the whole thing. It's it's just like that's my boundary. So creating healthy boundaries. I think everyone could be in therapy. I think everyone. I was just when I was watching this, I'm like, this is like emotional, like there's a term called emotional sobriety. And I'm like, this is like the opposite of that. That is this is like emotional drunk Olympics, like every episode. <laughs> it's it's so like, good. especially when they yes. went to the beach and it was just like oh. like James started it. You know, and like he's still like the um, I think like I think it's like an element of what's called hoovering when you like break up with a narcissist just, just and, and sort of borderline people. But they like they cannot metabolize. They cannot gr- properly grieve a relationship. So they're just so focused on revenge from the like and they're like, she's a whore. That's called that? hoovering. Yeah, it's called hoovering. And then you're like obsessively like looking for them on social media. And like, yeah. it's, it's a how dare problem. you, Raquel Schwartz, yeah. you fat fuck Schwartz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, like, I just, why do you care? I know. Well, I mean, to go to DJ James Kennedy, which I, I know we got to talk about the big ones, Tom or Kel and Ariana, mm-hmm. but some of the peripheral cast, we mentioned Sheen had a really good moment in this last episode. DJ James Kennedy, two episodes ago, had this very, 
I mean, it wasn't f- funny, but it was funny in, in thinking about it because he was like, Ali, I don't need therapy. That's for people with trauma in their past. I don't have trauma. And he was like, I don't need that. My life's great. And we all, even Ali in that scene was like, okay, dude. And all of us at home were like, okay, dude. But obviously this dude has major yeah. trauma. I mean, and isn't it fascinating that he's on there saying, I don't have trauma. I'm all good. It's so on the nose. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it's fun to work through initially, but it will, it provides so much relief. And then, but there are certain personality types that don't want to take responsibility for anything and working through your trauma and especially like the outbursts that James is known for. And he's so emotionally dysregulated, so emotionally dysregulated. So to become emotionally regulated and to regulate your nervous system requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of repetitive work. It it requires a lot of commitment that he's just not available for when he could just like use Allie and be like, I'm in love with Allie now and you suck. And he's still so angry at Raquel. So I know this is helping like feed that, but that's, it's not going to cure it. Like, and it's also a great example of like, even if your ex is the biggest whore in the world and is like, just really found out in in the way that that Raquel has, it still will not heal it unless you do the work to heal and properly grieve a relationship. Like watch. I mean, we don't even know, but even after all this, it will not soothe James. It might actually like flare it up even more. Dead on. That's what I, I keep saying is that even if we're celebrating DJ James Kennedy now, just know if future seasons happen, we are going to watch these things catch back up with James, including his alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Like these, you know, this it's so right there, everybody. It's like, we, we can celebrate his being funny and being magnetic on screen and giving a good talking headline and, and making fun of Raquel and Tom. But it's so right there that I'm like, you know, future seasons will eventually get to this again it never just goes away and disappears um and also with dj james kennedy not just the anger with raquel the anger at sandoval like that's what he said he goes it's sandoval and he started crying in his talking head because i do believe he truly um looked up to him and really did think something of their friendship and i thought Mm -hmm. that was very interesting uh from a male perspective Absolutely. That was really sad with him, with James and Sheena, that they really did have a good, you know, Sheena's like, you stuck up for me. And like, and then to have that come crumbling down, which is a narcissist nightmare. It's kind of like they need to be put up on a pedestal constantly. And so when that pedestal comes crumbling down, that's all Sandoval cares about, first of all. But that is another grief that, um, you know, James is going to have to deal with, with someone that does not, he's going to probably start drinking more and probably get more irate because he doesn't have, and he's choosing not to have the coping skills to move through these things and emotionally metabolize them. But Allie seems like such a good egg or what we've seen of her is that it sometimes makes me curious of, well, listen, she seems smart. She seems like she knows exactly what his behavior is. So I'm trying to just, I'm trying to sometimes, and I don't mean to be mean, is trying to like, why are you there, Allie? Why are you staying? Because this seems like you even know there's a lot of potential uh, buttons for DJ James Kennedy that he is getting pushed over and over again. And you were right next to him for a lot of those. Is there ability, like nobody, no one person can save us, right? Like we shouldn't look for a savior in anybody, but is there any way Ali can uh, not exacerbate, but like maybe lengthen the time before his next breakdown because, you know, he's in a good spot with her. Is there, do you know what I'm saying? Is there ability through relationships to, to heal? I, 
Well, I think that's where codependent people get trapped. It's kind of like, I can fix this person. And they, you know, abandon their lives to take care of someone else. And it's like, if I take care of this person, then you won't leave me. And I don't think, I think it's Katie that said this. She's like, I think that James is in love with Allie, but Allie's like, this is my boyfriend for now. Or yeah, I, I yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's what Allie, and like, I don't, maybe Allie just wants to be on the show. Maybe she's promoting, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it feels like promoting right astrology. Now, yeah. Astrology and her whatever, or it's just fun to be on reality TV. It doesn't seem like, and I don't feel like a bit, a lot of like savior, like I'm trying to save you. She's just being like, okay, this is what we're going to do. If you want me to continue to date you and just, you know, being a nurturing girlfriend, but no, you can't not save someone that just want to be saved. It's interesting to see like, you know, she's a newcomer and she sees things so much clearer than anybody else in that cast. And I think that's because she is a newcomer. Mm -hmm. These people are all, and by the way, and, and Lala a little bit as well, even though she's been on the show for a long time, Lala, you know, is not, when she was in the season, she wasn't naturally hanging out with like, there was that Tom, Ariana, Raquel, uh, a lot of like Schwartz, they were all hanging out nonstop. And Lala, from what I believe, you know, she was hanging out more with like the Stasi, the Jaxes, the Brits who weren't even on the show. And I thought it's interesting that those people that were further away from that situation were able to call it out and, and feel that something was weird. Something weird was happening so much quicker than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Well, and Katie too. Yeah, I'm so Katie, sorry, Katie as well. You're right. Katie was and like yes, she was angry. I mean, she's angry at Tom and and then at Raquel, but even before, I mean, she was just like, no. And she said something really good. She was like, I don't trust anyone that's like friends with some people. And then the way she said it was like that that these people like her and then these people don't, which is a form of splitting, you know, like borderline people do this thing where they split in their own mind. It's like either things are either black or white or you're an angel or you're a devil. But with groups of people, borderline people, like they have this thing where people either love or hate them. And so, and then they split the room too. And so Katie was just like, Oh, none of that. I don't like that. And the other people are in like, all right. I was like, Oh, I don't think she's that bad. And Katie was like, Nope. And so she called it, you know, um, as did Lala. Lala cracks me up. Um, and I like Lala. Like, I feel like she, like she has some kind of like, like the histrionic type of her and Sheena, like, it's like, let's stir it up. And yeah. even at, like when um, everyone's getting all drunk at like Manhattan beach, was it Manhattan yeah, beach? Yeah, and like, yeah. you could just see Lala. And I think I, it's also the way they edit it. It was just like, she's like sitting back and like, you know, like basically with popcorn, like watching the whole thing. And then like, Tom's like, Oh, you and your plastic surgery. It's yeah. like, you it, everyone like in Kardashian. LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like relax, Tom. And like Tom, and like, I'm sorry, it's Tom Schwartz is who I'm talking about. And yeah. Schwartz is like, you know, in terms of personality, I really feel like he's like that, like wounded, like that's his defense mechanism is like, you know, like it, it, it kind of mirrors like covert narcissism or what they call like a quiet borderline where I'm the victim I'm just I'm the you know and like people like me on the surface but I've been victimized it's like no you haven't and actually you've done some well, of the same shit I wanted to bring up Schwartz because I feel like you know he's gotten I think a lot of a pass on this season because mm -hmm. it would have been really we would have been talking about his behavior so much more if the season initially was what it was, which was his, you know, divorce from Katie. And we see Katie, we see more of her perspective this season, like we've never had before, but Schwartz, you're right. It's like this quiet, take care of me, wounded puppy dog. But at the same time, I'm starting to formulate this thought of like, 
he's not that weak and he's mm-hmm. not that like he doesn't need like he, this is this is not a, a full act but there is this kind of act he puts on because he's able to make decisions he's an able bodied with a mind he's a decently smart person um this stuff he is heavily relying on and it's not as cute when you start to realize from Katie's perspective why she did have to get out of that marriage and how he does keep secrets for his friend. He is a co-conspirator, even though he's railing against being one. Um, yeah. What? How would you even describe, I mean, is it like just quiet narcissism? Like you said, how would you describe Schwartz? Yeah. So there's, um, well, there's, there's quiet borderline personnel, which is like, they try to like delineate all these different, it's just different defense mechanisms, but it's kind of like this, I'm the wounded bird type of thing. And it, and it, in, in narcissism, it's covert narcissism. So they have the same defense structure underneath, but it's just displayed differently. So with covert narcissism, it's like, I am a victim. I, but they do all of the same things. They they kind of like draw you in with their magnanimous and they're like very um, like generous at first and all of the things. And then they um, and then they attract other narcissists and then act like or attract like um, people that get angry or triggered or, you know, so they could be a victim and then and then use that to. Um, to just push people away or like do this conflict avoidant thing. The thing between either border quiet borderline personality or covert narcissism is that it's very conflict avoidant. Like they kind of are drawn to people that will get angry and lash out. And they're like, I don't want this. I'm the victim. Stop, stop. Like, and then be like, Oh my God, they were yelling at me or whatever. And it's kind of like, well, it takes two to tango. You kind of, piss that person off or did whatever to to make that happen but complete what you see a lot in Schwartz is a lot of like conflict avoidance but it's kind of like you were in the middle of the conflict like you could have it, it helps create the conflict you know yeah. even if we're taking away him being a co-conspirator you know he created a lot of the conflict in the relationship with Katie yeah. that would then create Katie to behave a certain way because listen I'm sorry if you're getting shit can wasted and then going out and cheating because of that mm-hmm. I'm sorry that's a big trigger for somebody that you're married to That's pretty, like, I don't know how you would ever cut in a million years. You can't just say, oh, I was treated so poorly that I had to go get wasted. And then my penis fell into somebody. And I, I, because of this other person, like, come on at a certain point. And that's why I don't predict it. I don't predict them getting cuter as they get older. Like, I think they're always going to have fans. They're always going to have people because they're really, they're they're so uh, magnetic in certain ways when you're Mm -hmm. around them. Sure. But I don't think that thing, it's not like a fine wine. It gets better with age. (laughs) no i don't think so either but yeah yeah you nailed it that's that is what they do and it's just kind of like oh me and what who you know and i think like raquel had a little bit of that but i think hers is a lot more dark like i was calling her uh Kaiser Soze, like the from yes, the suspect. yeah, I say that all the time, Lauren. Like it's like she, she, you know, Kevin Spacey walks out of the end of seeing the Usual Suspects, and you realize he's the villain the whole time. He was fooling everybody, but you really think that this is plotted in some way in her head, Raquel? Oh yeah, no, I think it's just part of her personality type with the the splitting and the and yeah, I said this um, on the the first time I was on. It's just kind of like oh, I'm dumb and I don't know anything and it's kind of like but no I'm smart and it's kind of like well what is it I think she they made me do it no one can make you do anything you actually are not a puppet so no one could 
um, who was it? She was saying like, oh, put this, these ideas in my head that I should do this and I should hook up with this person and then admitted it to Katie. And um, oh, yeah. When yeah. she had that relationship. Yeah. With you. yeah like I, someone just put it in my head. Like no one put it in your head. Like you're actually completely like able-bodied and able to so yeah and i think it but i think that like that veneer gets really thin when she's doing all that smirking i don't know if you notice but when they're doing the interview she's like yeah and like it's just like i'm in a commercial and it's really weird like and you've been fucking your best friends you know like i'm like done it's like really funny isn't it so funny and it's well, like it read to all. me like an eight-year-old i was like do you right. understand what's going on here because to me it read so childlike like we we touched private parts and it was so fun and it was like i, I was like the gravity of the situation at that point i would imagine mm-hmm. somebody that uh plotted if you if it were would not say half the things that she's saying or like you would think there would be some veneer that would go up to be like i've got to protect myself at this point and she's just behaving like a goof. Like I, that's what, that's the thing that confuses me, Lauren, is that with Sandoval, I can see where he try, he's trying to cover it up and he's trying to still be charismatic and really I'm crying now or I'm hyperventilating. Look how much I feel this. But with Raquel, there's none of that. I could not get the sense that she was even aware what had happened when he had that scene of going over to her studio apartment. I couldn't get the sense of, do you know what's happening right now? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I mean by disconnect. Did you feel any of that? Or you you think that was all part of a plan? No. So I think that what you're saying is her like dissociate. Okay. Um, and then remember in the last, the finale, they, it starts with them at watch what happens live, her and Sheena. Raquel yeah, and Sheena yeah. watch what happens live. Then Sheena says, oh yeah. Like, just like, like as if Raquel was saying pass the salt. Oh yeah, um, Ariana caught us, and we've been having a seventh month affair. And Sheena said it was just like with the blankest face; it was just like a dissociated moment. And that's why I was kind of like, if we were to, you know, just to be able to conceptualize her personality, like more on the spectrum of like borderline personality the name borderline personality came to be because there's like a spectrum there's like narcissist like social or um um avoidant like all these other things that are kind of just like some of them are too anxious like we all we're all anxious or depressed at times and then some of them get more severe and then there's schizophrenic so schizophrenics here and then they're like there's this borderline where they're kind of narcissistic but they're not completely like schizophrenic schizophrenic people are very dissociated but it's like sometimes when something dramatic happens like borderline people get dissociated they have like schizophrenic features so that's where the term borderline came from because they're kind of in between those things so when something like this happens and they need to take like responsibility or their spot is blown up they just dissociate it's like oh okay or it's funny or i'm gonna act like an eight-year-old or what and so that's where that comes from or that that defense mechanism where it's like you want to shake like are you in reality are you yeah we're on earth right now you've been fucking your best friend's uh boyfriend do you understand like there because she's dissociating and depersonalizing it there's different defense mechanisms around the dissociation but that's why it looks like that and it's like not it doesn't feel real because she's not all there in that way i think in this day and age uh especially because of social media i feel a lot of ways we've weaponized mental health 
uh, in the sense that it is a common go-to now. It's a common excuse and it's a catch-all for your own bad behavior. And in a lot of ways, very true because I, man, I love when people pay attention to their mental health. You know, good things have happened in my life when I've paid attention to it and bad things have happened when I've ran away from it. Um, but sometimes I think that it's used as something that is is supposed to garner sympathy when you've done something really wrong. Instead of like... Um, you know, accepting blame, you know, um, you can use this mental health, get out of jail free card mm -hmm. that we can't then touch it. If you say it's mental health related. Now I do want to give respect to the, you know, that mental health is, is so real, but where is that line? And, 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 you know, especially when you throw social media and all of our opinions onto this, mm -hmm. obviously there's mental health issues with Raquel, but will we ever know how real they are? Or how real she takes or how seriously she actually takes her issues. I mean, that will just more will play out with that. And we'll see. I it depends on how much responsibility she wants to take for that and how she wants to portray herself moving forward. You know, you know, I think a big part of social media is, you know, we're teaching people how to treat us or how to perceive us. So there's that piece. But I am a big fan of do not use your astrological sign, your your ethnicity, um, you know, any of your mental health issues, your trauma, how your ex has treated you, that all happened. And that should be contributing to your your resiliency and like you getting better. But, you know, you could either be better, you could be better, but that doesn't mean you get to you know, offload that or, you know, completely not take responsibility for yourself because of what happened to you. Yeah. I mean, I would hope not, but I feel like I do see that used time and time again, more so in 2023 than I ever have. And in one way I'm like, good, at least, you know, mental health is getting its day and we're shining a light on it. But you, like you said earlier, this is a lot of uncomfortable, hard work that is not glamorous, that is not fit into an uh, influencer lifestyle. Like some of these people are going towards. And that's the thing is like, if I feel if any of these people are really taking this seriously, they would just not do the show anymore because we see how it's so damaging. But then at the same time, life is damaging without a camera. Yeah. And I mean, like, for instance, Ariana, and I could see that like, there's like I was saying, like a lot of codependent stuff going on that she's working through and then re-traumatizing through these relationships or even overly trusting Raquel when a lot of other people were seeing exactly what's going on. But I like that she she seems to be transforming from it. It's kind of like a lot of people, I think, watching that can relate to that, like be like first of all you know your pet dying and then your dad dying grandpa like all of these tragedies that have happened and it's kind of like she's choosing to rise as much as she like she got the that show on lifetime that part or whatever and yeah, I the part of lifetime she she uh you know she was on watch what happens live as a solo guest she's getting brand deals out the wazoo yeah. right now you know and she is taking this moment to ride that wave in a positive way i feel but also there's this thing I keep talking about the with the audience of be careful about, and I've been so guilty of this, especially with Tom Sandoval, be careful of putting these people on a pedestal because mm -hmm. you are going to watch them fall. And will we be as kind and give them grace when they fall as much as we did when we put them on that pedestal? Okay, well, let me tell you something that will help you in life. And I think never put anyone on a pedestal. 
Even if you're madly in love. Damn with it, someone. Lauren. Where were you a couple of years ago? I needed to hear this way earlier than this. Okay. Don't put anybody on a pedestal. Never, ever. And, you know, it's really hard when you're in love and especially like the early stages of that, because inevitably you're you're going to be let down. You're going to let someone else down just by being you. I mean, that is the, that's what relationships are supposed oh, to do. Yes. Relationships are supposed to trigger the shit out of you. I mean, they're supposed to connect us and everything, but they should trigger you in order to help you grow. So that's why we need to take care of our mental health. Just, just like we don't go to the gym only when we're sick or, you know, it's decide to eat healthy or whatever, only when we're sick or not feeling good or it's swimsuit season. We do that all year round because it's supposed, so it's the same thing for our <laughs> mental health. Health. It's like darn it. Sure, Lauren. Sure. Yeah. We go to the gym all the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, you do your thing. I'll do it my way. I, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. It is something that you do year around. Um, but it is one of those things with Ariana. I see, you know, I'm scared to come out the other side is because we've lifted her up so much in this kind of troubling time. And I think she's handled herself with such grace, but I get nervous just being a student of pop culture. The other side of that is we get sick of it. Eventually we're like, Oh, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of praising her. I'm tired of this. I'm tired. I don't like that. She did that. I don't like that. She did that. And then we start pointing fingers again. And that's the part that I get nervous about. Well, that's what you sign up for when you decide to be on a reality TV show. So that's, that's, that's part of it. You know, Um, I had a great, I had a great question. My friend sent for you. Mm -hmm. She says, what do you think? um, Why do you think so many of the cast besides Lala and Katie at this point, after breakups, jump into a type of relationship, any type of relationship so soon after and can't be alone. She wanted to hear more about that. And I thought that was great because you could even talk a little bit about that in regards of Ariana, who is now dating, uh, it seems like a nice guy at this point. But why do a lot of these people jump immediately into another relationship? And I think we do that in our real lives as well. Yes, because it's kind of what I was saying about James. It's a lot to grieve our relationships. It's a lot to be, first of all, when we break up, even if we know it's the best thing to do, or it's just so the rug got pulled under from underneath us, doesn't matter how we break up with someone. It's and our, our brain and our nervous system experiences it as like a deep abandonment. And we don't want to be abandoned because our survival brain thinks that, you know, we're going to die if we're alone. Like, you know, back in the day when we were, um, you know, more primitive, it's like if we were left alone, we would actually die. So there is part of our nervous system that's embedded in our DNA that we cannot be alone because we will die. And so it feels like that. And I mean, I've had a breakup or two where it felt like I was going to die. Like it's just like that level of heartbreak. And so why experience that pain and why when we could just cling to something else? Now, all that pain is still there. It's still yeah. hanging out. It's still waiting for you. I say that also when uh, people overly medicate themselves with like antidepressants or anything like that pain is hanging out and waiting for you. It's still there. But yeah, it's to mask the pain because it's like it's too much to it's not too much, but it feels like it's too much to emotionally metabolize. So we we cling to someone else to one prove show the outside world. See, I am lovable. I I I I don't deserve to be abandoned. I'm totally lovable. I have this other person here and we're madly in love. And then also it, it's easier to like feel all the love feelings or be like high on the love feelings because it is kind of like that addictive state of like being in that instead of like grieving the past. And it's and, exciting to meet somebody new. It's it exciting is. to like, you know, and it really is that kind of escape of like, well, listen, I'm fascinated with this person. I mm-hmm. like this person a lot. And it, but you don't face that other pain head on at all. 
And look, and like, look what James said. I'm madly in love. Like, why do you need to tell Raquel over the Benihana table that you're (laughs) like, if you are fine, like you don't need to prove it, but it's obviously to mask this grief. So I always, I always encourage people. I'm like, just hang in there for at least four, like eight weeks is what I say. And just be alone, cry it out, process this relationship just so you don't date the same type of person that you're calling an asshole that traumatized you you don't repeat the cycle over and over again but it's really difficult it's got to be interesting for you you said you've cried in the past a couple of times over past relationships and i feel like that's so interesting because you know like you have the keys to the kingdom you have the language of the inner workings but that's what's also so fascinating because you still have a heart and you Mm -hmm. still like even though you can explain why you know, what is happening and you have a language for that and you have a language for how to potentially deal with it. It doesn't stop our hearts from feeling what they feel. And I guess that's what sets us apart. The beautiful thing is, is that it still does hurt in some ways, even though maybe it shouldn't. It does. And like, I don't regret any of those relationships. They made me grow as a human. And it was, it was was like kind of disorienting when I'm like, I've read all of this in a textbook in grad school and I've worked with people like this, but I have never date. You know what I mean? Cause the first part of the relationship is like magical. And I'm like, no, this isn't happening. And I'm like, fuck it is, you know? And it's really heartbreaking. It is because you fall in love with the, the facade. Yeah. Um, is there any type of relationship? I mean, I guess on reality shows, we shouldn't, like you said, put any relationship on a pedestal, but is there any relationship on Vanderpump rules that exhibits good qualities <laughs> that there's like, Hey, I like what they're doing there. They seem like they're, that's interesting. It's good. You know, is there anything we can point to? <laughs> I mean, I like the relationship that Lisa and Ken have. I just think it's <laughs> you Did know? you know was in the jacuzzi <laughs> with Raquel? You just like a man that shuffles in, gives a piece of information, and then shuffles right back out. That's a nice, that's good. And he looks like the dogs now. It's just like he's just a. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is becoming one of the dogs. He's going to have one of the little dog outfits. He's going to start losing his hair on certain parts of his body. And, he has uh, the same haircut, kind of. I swear he's looking exactly like the dogs. And Lisa's just like, whatever. But <laughs> you can tell they love each other. You know, they've been married yeah, for yeah. a long time, you know. And, um, and, um, so that's all I will say about that in terms of healthy relationships. Cause I don't think, I mean, everything is so alcohol infused and like, you know, emotionally dysregulated. So I could only say Lisa and Ken, I, I mean, and I did like seeing um, how Lisa was, you know, she seemed to really care about, you know, the speech that she made at for her birthday. Yeah. You know, it was, People that was need to learn to start taking care of each other. You know and I'm like? Okay, Lisa, we get it. Your big finale speech. <laughs> But it is right. But at the same time, I do want a firmer hand sometimes with Lisa. If you are going to be your the reality show parent, start to actually enforce like some be like start to punish these people. Take one of them over your knee if you have to, because they're not learning. It's 10 years. Like you're like, you're all young. You're not that young anymore. This has been 10 seasons of the same behavior. I would think that the show like where it was headed in season eight, nine kind of boring. And I'm like, wow, they really are growing up because growing up sometimes is boring. Because you're actually doing real work. But then season 10, you're like, we're right back in that same dark, childlike space of people doing horrific things to each other. Yeah. 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 I mean, I and I do think it's part of the industry, you know, that they are in. Um, I think that happens a lot, you know. So do you have 10 more minutes? Of course. Okay, cool. I just wanted to then on the other side of things, in terms of us, you know, publicly start consuming this and 
you know, our anger, the audience's anger, you see that on social media all of the time. And I had mentioned, uh, I had, uh, somebody from Yelp reach out in regards to the interest for Schwartz and Sandys in terms of reviews and people leaving negative reviews or people acting out based on their anger or showing up to Tom Sandoval on the most extra shows, you know, mm -hmm. and heckling and things. Why do you think psychologically an audience needs to put themselves in that story, in that situation? Is it because they've been hurt in the past and they were not able to take it out on uh, whoever hurt them? And I know that sounds silly, but is it, wh why do we want to be a part of this? Exactly, because we can identify with that. We can see, and um, there's actually, when we watch reality TV, a lot of times we do have that dopamine response, like that award system response goes off and our reward system goes off and our in our minds because we can see all this like kind of like traumatic things that have happened to us or that we can identify with in some way without like the negative part of it. But then we can, you know, just like you would in a movie, like root for the, you know, the, who we think the underdog is. And um, also I see, I think there's a direct correlation between this and when people protest, like people that are really into protesting, it's like, I'm angry about this other thing. That maybe happened that has nothing to do, but I'm gonna fucking protest and I'm gonna over identify with this, or I'm gonna get really mad at Sandoval and I'm gonna channel my anger from something else into this situation. It's a very common thing that people do. So I think a lot of it is Is that it healthy? Thing. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think okay. it's healthy to do that. Like like and I, I, I personally, please don't. I'm not trying to say anything about you and your eating habits, but I see this a lot with vegans. They get so mad and so, and I'm just kind of like, I'm over here eating my meat, chilling. I'm not like upset at you for eating tofu or whatever. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Or like extreme people that are like extreme liberals or extreme like anything. It's like they channel their anger into that point of view. And I'm like, is it really about that? I think you're mad about something else. So, so I think that when you we see these extreme things like going to a show to heckle someone, like it's a little extreme. Leaving a Yelp yeah. review, it's a little extreme. I think that you're channeling your anger or whatever feelings about something from into this. It also seems to can sometimes confuse the actual topic because then yeah. you open yourself up to a conversation of, well, these people did do something wrong. In society, we do have to remind people that if you do something wrong, you are going to face consequences, right. which I think, you know, Sandoval is potentially dealing with. But when is it enough on the consequences? When, when who says when it's enough when somebody has paid the, you know, who determines when the ultimate price has been paid? When it's like, okay, we can get back to liking you again. That's the thing that sometimes I get confused about in reality shows. They're cyclical. We like Jax Taylor again. All of a sudden, Jax Taylor has been magically forgiven out of nowhere, even though we forget all of his behavior and like, no, nah, he seems like a great guy now. It's very interesting how we as the public will, get, myself included, get so enraged, but then forget about all of that enraged part. And it just takes a couple of years. A couple years are shorter. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about like Trump with the grab him by the pussy thing. And then it's like, you're president. I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, it's, weird. it's weird. We live weird times. Weird pe and, and it is one of those things that the more I, the more I try to talk about this and understand it, the more I sometimes don't understand it because there's so many different aspects to it. Um, and I think that's what makes it fodder for such great, interesting conversations like this one. I do want to talk a little bit about your work. You talked before you're doing a workshop right now on uh, imposter syndrome. Is that right? 
Oh, I have a digital course um, called Imposter No More, which is I deal with I coach people that have imposter syndrome a lot. So I have a like a, more, a course for it. Um, there's a link in my bio on Instagram about it, and it's on my website as well. But yeah, you can take. What the is course. imposter syndrome? Oh, thank you. So imposter syndrome, it's on the anxiety spectrum, and it is like a psychological phenomenon that happens that we and it happens the more success there's direct correlation between success and imposter syndrome and you feel like an imposter and you feel like like literally the police are going to come anytime and tell you that you're a fraud and that you've been found out and like Maya Angelou has it like um all of these Maya like, Angelou has it she was she had it she's dead now yeah of course, but like of course. but like you know like the most like Tom Hanks um Meryl Streep is very um vocal about it she's like i'm the worst actress like she gets in these spirals where she's like i'm a horrible actress and so um which is great i love that people are humanizing themselves in that way but um so um yeah i have a course about what it is and how to overcome it and how to use it to your advantage especially in professional environments to take that energy and not let it like consume you instead you can oh. use it to you know become even better yeah well, i mean i i i i mean i we're not supposed to self-diagnose but i a thousand percent have imposter syndrome. You'd mentioned that briefly the first, and it's something that I completely feel. I feel like a fraud all the time. Mm -hmm. And even like, as this, you know, I can point to this, you know, things getting better for me and like the show getting bigger and stuff like that. And it all feels like it will be taken away from me. There's going to be yeah. some podcasting license that will get ripped away from me and nobody's going to ever listen again. And it's, we, it's a, and the sad thing is I can joke about it with you, but it's a very real feeling. Like just because I understand that it exists doesn't mean I don't have it all this. Like, doesn't mean I'm like, well, that's just what that is. It's like mm -hmm. really, it's a real feeling and it's not a fun feeling. It's mm -hmm. a scary feeling and it is anxiety. It, it really will cause massive anxiety. Like this whole thing, as the show has gotten bigger through Scandaball, it has caused massive anxiety because each week mm -hmm. I'm all, I don't want to let anybody down or I don't, I want to hit every moment. And it's caused some really weird situations in my mind. So you're telling me I could potentially take a course like this and learn to recognize and potentially utilize this for like in positive ways. Absolutely. It's because when you have an um, imposter syndrome, you feel like it takes over and it's just like, you know how anxiety is. And so um, I it's it's not a long course. I try to make my courses as you know to the point as I can. So there's not like a ton of material that you, it takes forever. So you go through the course, you do all the exercises. And then anyone that takes my course, just hit me up or DM me if you have any questions about it or need like a little extra coaching. But um, yeah, I love walking people through that because it's like, I can't get over this. And I'm like, yes, you can. We'll do it together. And, um, you know, because you want those, you want that energy to energy can't be created or destroyed. So you might as well take that energy and transmute it into something that can like fuel you and, and inspire you I and help that. you like create more. And like, you know, when you're in those flow states where you're like, yes, yeah. yes. And getting a lot yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's yes. What, that's where I help my clients like turn it around. So, but that course imposter no more um, does that. Thank you for saying that. And yeah, you can find it. It's definitely on my Instagram. In the yeah, guys, I'll put all of that information in the show notes. And like I said, you know, email me at so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com. Sometimes I don't get to see my DMS in time. I'm sorry. Uh, or at all, but email me. And that's a good way if you need help, but I'm going to, it's mental health tracker on Instagram as well. Um, oh, no, no, no. Um, for me, mental health hacker. 
Hacker. Mental health hacker, not tracker, hacker. <laughs> hacker health she's health hacking health. into the systems that we set up <laughs> in our minds. Mental health hacker. Um, is there any way I take that course and you're like, you actually are an imposter? You can't take this? No. Do you ever do that with any true. of people? Okay. <laughs> and then lastly, you talked about a course before we got on to, what is the other course? I think it involves weight loss. Uh, yes. Um, so my other course, everything I do is about neurological reprogramming. So I'm doing another course that is self, like I'm coaching you for 90 days and it's to neurologically reprogram your brain, rewire your brain for weight loss. So instead of yo-yo, I'm dealing with like a lot of like yo-yo dieting or um, you just can't lose that whatever amount of weight. And um, I give you all the basics, like here's like the food guide, the restaurant guide, all the stuff that you already know probably like, and then the other, the meat and potatoes of the program is rewiring your brain for for weight loss to get out of certain patterns and just like around food but also um if you're familiar with like joe dispense it because it's kind of in line with that like literally rewiring your brain to like metabolically metabolically function differently so your health and everything is rewiring on all these different levels because your body will respond to what your belief systems are. So we, we go deep, we go deep with that one. I, I really, really love that. Can we, can we call it Clozempic? Like uh, Clayton <laughs> and Ozempic, we'll call it Clozempic. It's going to be great. Um, no, but this is so good. And, and I, I think just for a lot of my listeners, you know, as I get older and I know some of you guys are getting older as well, we don't have to tell anybody. I know for me, sometimes I feel like oh, I'm a lost cause. I can't do that. I can't, you know, and of course these are negative thought patterns that I'm telling myself that don't help anything, but it's, it, you know, I would assume, I would hope you would say something. It is never too late, right? Like you can rewire your belief system in certain ways. It's going to be hard and uncomfortable, but you can do the work and, and see change. Absolutely. And it's actually a lot easier to take the time to do that. And it really only 90 days is a lot. So you can do it in a shorter amount of time, but 90 days like really integrates everything. And then what is 90 days? That's one, that's like a season. And then you have this, all these tools for the rest of your life to, it, it just provides a lot of freedom. And I always tell my clients like, I want to be happy. I want to, you don't want any of that. You want to be free. You want to feel free and you want to feel peace. Those are the two things that everyone wants. And yes, you'll have a lot of happiness and other states, good states come from that. But that's what this program and a lot of what I do, it's like, you want that freedom and peace within your body, relationships, all of the things. Well, I love that. This time always just flies by with you. Um, lastly, what should we expect, if anything, from these reunions? I mean, these aren't therapy sessions. They don't, they're not forced to tell the truth. They're not on some lie detector. What should we expect from these next three weeks? Well, well, that's one thing. So, I, you know, all these cast members know that the reunions are supposed to be dramatic and not very emotionally regulated. So there's not going to be a lot of that. Um, I'm sure James will be like, I think he's going to flare up more. I don't think that this is going to soothe him in any way. I think that he's going to really dig his knife and do a lot of twisting. I could see Katie doing that too. Um, like I told you so type of stuff. Cause I mean, she was just kind of like, I'm not crazy. So, um, and I feel like Lala's going to be on fire. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, I see Lala just like with the crown on and like, just like, looking down on everyone. <laughs> I think that's how she sees herself too. I think that's legitimately how she sees herself. It is interesting though. I like that you described DJ James Kennedy as a flare up, like it's hemorrhoids. He's going to raise hemorrhoids are going to be really activated over oh, these uh, three, so four. And then on terms of Sandoval and Raquel, the people that everybody's coming up against, yeah. what could we expect if anything? I mean, even in the preview, it looks like uh, Raquel's pretty chill. She's, you know, looks like she's there. 
Uh, Sandoval looks a little bit more uh, exhibiting emotion, of course, but who knows if that is real. Can we expect any truth from these people? I don't know if we can. Ex- I think Raquel's going to do more of what we've seen. Like it just happened. And like just her very, she, I think she's going to get more dissociated. We'll see. And oh, I just don't want to see it, but there'll probably be more fake crying and fake panic attacks. It just, you can, it feels, it doesn't feel real. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. Like I used to do psych and personality profiling. So I could just like immediately feel things, but I'm sure you can too. It just feels so fake. And it's like, ugh, it's creepy to me. Yeah. I feel like we have to temper our expectations and read Mm -hmm. between the lines and behind the scenes rather than what we're going to see. And that's why I think these conversations are important to have. And uh, because we do get to speculate and look at a little bit of a deeper thing than what is presented on the screen. Uh, Lauren Clayton, thank you so much i by the way you're gonna come back for the kardashians when oh, yeah. uh because we got a new season of that but thank you so much i was looking so forward to talking to you and i know that the audience is gonna love this as well so i really appreciate your time today of course thanks for having me on ryan betches